Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Emily Bosco. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. And party, party, party! That was fun. That was, that was good. I like that. That's in the spirit of our last episode, Titties Akimbo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to make yeah. them go akimbo. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good shimmy? It's one of the first things they teach you in dance class when you're little. And it's cute because if, you, if you're like me and you start when you're pre-present and that is bored, you the way that you shimmy is you shake your arms because you don't know what sure, else yeah. to shake. <laughs> you're just shaking your upper body. Correct. This is fun. It's I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get creepy until later. Yeah. And you realize you're asking a bunch of little girls to <laughs> shimmy. It's so cute, though, when they flap their arms around. It really is. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't understand. What's the point of this dance move? <laughs> Teacher, can you explain? <laughs> no. No, thank you. What's a shimmy? <laughs> <laughs> oh god so it's been a week how's your week Woo! um you yeah. know have you been have you been dancing and shimmying stuck in the house <laughs> tons of snow outside <laughs> um oh yeah y'all out east got some got yes, hit hard yes we did i mean not quite as crazy as i thought it was gonna be they were talking about like over a foot and it wasn't well you know what my dad did the shoveling so you really should ask him <laughs> i <laughs> it doesn't look so bad to me because i didn't have to shovel it but um but yeah so we were all sort of trapped inside for two days but now it's now the roads are clear and stuff um we've been painting and decorating my family is still kind of in the process of moving into this house in connecticut um, cause I'm a Jersey girl born and raised, but new Connecticut resident. So we're just doing a lot of like nesting, which is kind of nice for the winter. Oh, and I bought a puzzle. That's really cute. It's called, <laughs> the name of the puzzle is called plant shelfie, which I don't know if that's like, yeah, your face says it all. Cause it is a confused <laughs> listeners shelfie. Yeah. Ken's making a real funny face. So <laughs> I could tell. So for context, the puzzle is a picture of like a bookshelf with all different succulents and plants and like cute books on it. So it's like, okay. so it's like, I didn't know if that was a play on like a plant shelf, a shelf that has plants on it, but like a selfie, like, I don't know a where the selfie comes in. But it's called because plant the shelf is the shelf is taking a picture of itself, so it's a shelfie. You know what? I really couldn't tell you, listeners. I will. I will send a picture. Weigh in on why you think this thing is named this. I don't know, but I saw it and I thought, <laughs> I thought, ooh, I love this color palette. It's all greens and and mo mauve. What's that? How do you say it? Mauve mauve sure i don't know mom i think that color i wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize it if you showed it to me like oh. i'd recognize the word i have no idea what color mauve 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 is it's like a it's, um uh like a deep pink 
like not burgundy, okay. but not egg, a deep rose color, kind of purple. Okay. It's hard to describe. It's, it's a it's a it's a deep purple. Yeah, no, because that would be more eggplant. Okay, Jack Black. It's it's a it's a deep purple. They no, the I know. Song smoke on the it. God damn it! I'm funny. <laughs> oh, I got the reference, but the way you were singing it sounded like Jack Black and School of Rock, so that's why Needle do with that one. <laughs> oh yeah, he does that. Yeah, oh, that that mean that makes me the asshole. I didn't get your joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, don't say that about my friend Ken. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I I bought Plant Shelfie. And I got all excited because it was so pretty. Loved this color palette. And then I realized this is a thousand piece puzzle. And I've never done a puzzle before by myself. I've done them with friends. (laughs) I've never done a puzzle before by myself. So I turned it over and all the pieces scattered on my, uh, um, not kitchen table, living room table. And my thought was, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm never going to finish this puzzle. I'm very overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Is the first step, do you do puzzles? Have you done a puzzle by yourself before? Uh, many of them. And in fact, our Patreon patrons uh, can watch me do a puzzle in its entirety. Although I, I like time lapsed it. So it's very fast. But oh. you can watch me do a puzzle in its entirety. It's uh, one of those um, uh, mystery puzzles. There's like a story that you read and then oh, you put together fun. the puzzle to get some clues. Oh, that's fun. Oh, um, so well, yeah, okay. I actually, I just did. I just did one a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so for that video, yeah. since you're experienced and I'm a rookie, mm-hmm. do I start by just flip? I have to flip over all the pieces just so that I can see them because like half of them are on the white side right now, the paper side. Right. But then once they're all like, do you just start grouping by color? I don't even know where to begin. It's so it's just chaos. <laughs> Which is Ooh, the nature of all right. Thing, we're but... talking puzzle technique. <laughs> if you've just joined us on Campfire Classics, <laughs> we're here cool. talking puzzle technique. Extremely. Uh, yep. So what I do first always is uh, I go through and before I even bother flipping everything over, I just look for all of the edge pieces and I try to put the border together. And that is that for me is always step number one is I start with the border. <gasps> That's smart yeah i think so because all the ones because any straight edged piece is not going to go in the middle there's no straight edges in the middle no so (gasps) any any piece with a flat side is going to be a border piece and then the four corner pieces are really easy to find um so you put that together first and then yes if you're an organizer Wow. Go ahead and flip them all over. From there, flip them all over and group them by color. But the um, the border is always, for me, is always step one. Um, That's and I'll truly do a, wild. And I'll do a little bit of either color or if there's, if I know that there is a, um, a big multicolored image in there somewhere, like if, if there's a clown and I know that its wig is going to be rainbow or whatever, I put all of the rainbow colored pieces while I'm finding those corner pieces. If I flip something over and it's rainbow colored, then I put that in a pile off to the side. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I know where to begin now. I'm embarrassed that I'm a fairly well-educated person and I did not 
I mean, I truly just looked at it and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, sometimes experience, real life experience is more important than education. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, hey, listeners, what do you think? Do you do puzzles? Do, you, do you agree with this technique? Do you do you support my method or um, do you have a different puzzling technique that you use? Uh, Would love it. Help help Emily out. Send in yeah. Send in your your puzzle recommendations. You can either uh, message her directly. I'll I'll put her uh, Instagram handle or something in the show notes. Uh, or you can shoot an email to fifty fifty artsproduction at gmail dot com or a message to any of the Campfire Classics social media sites, and I will pass the information along to her. Love Please it. <laughs> help Emily get through this puzzle. It's a thousand pieces, and I get the feeling that Lucy the dog is not going to be super helpful. Yep. I, I literally looked at, I looked at her little happy, sad face today and I said right in her face, I gave a little kiss on her nosy and I said, you cannot eat my puzzle. You cannot eat a piece because if she eats one piece, the whole thing is ruined. So I'm trying very hard to keep them all on the table, but like, I also keep my makeup sponges on, on the top of my desk and she's eaten at least four of those. So I just like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go, but, you're, but I you're going to go down to the living room and half the puzzle's going to be gone. Correct. Correct. <laughs> but you know, I, um, I look forward to these emails. I think it's going to be great. Heather, I'm so sorry for the influx of potentially boring emails that are about to come into your shared inbox. <laughs> uh, it's all right. She actually so uh, is not, is not very often able to check email these great. days. Okay, great. So you'll um, just get it all. So I, I will probably be able to um, uh, uh, screen any really boring. Excellent. <laughs> Send them my way. I love it. I love it because I'm I'm 80 now, apparently. <laughs> I turned 30 and now I'm 80. So that's great. It That happens. Yeah. You, the, you do sort of, yeah. I feel like there's an age where just, and I'm old now. And I'm old. I mean, I turned 30 when we were doing Pride and Prejudice. You were there that day. Yep. And it, it was a joyous day. And I do, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm not ragging on 30, but I do just spiritually feel <laughs> I am <laughs> aged overnight <laughs> in like a fun way. I'm into puzzles now. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's I don't good. know. Well, we'll see how this first one goes. We'll see how this one goes. <laughs> I will say it's I th I find them easier to get into and um sort of more fun generally if it is a um a social thing if you have someone else to be doing it with but I know that I am the worst person to do a puzzle with because most people are perfectly content to like put the puzzle out on the table and then complete it over the next several days. Do a couple pieces here and then go get some food and then do a couple more pieces and then go for a run and then do a couple more pieces and then go to work or whatever. I like, nah, fuck that. You pour out that puzzle. I am not stepping away from this table until it's done. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. You have to give your eyes a break because after a while, all the pieces start to blur together. That's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. It's like in any movie with like a genius mathematician or something or like a, you know, any kind of like savant. They're trying to solve the problem. They're trying to solve the equation. And then and they go out into the world and they like blink in the sunshine and they see something that makes them think like, oh, Eureka, that's the answer. And then they go back and they solve it. 
Yeah, that's basically me. I'm that's a trope for a reason. <laughs> I'm basically the a beautiful mind guy for puzzles. <laughs> Dream big. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Anywho. <laughs> welcome to Campfire Ca- Classics, a puzzles fan cast where we share tips and tricks of the puzzle solving trade. Last time it was porno, this time it's puzzles. I mean, we just can't. Next week it'll be porno puzzles. Who knows? Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. Just looking for a booby all day. I need this booby yeah. piece. Yeah, I've, I've only got half of this nipple. I have to find the <laughs> other half. It's so confusing. (laughs) Anyway, Campfire Classics is not a puzzle podcast. It is a literary podcast where we read short stories that are in the public domain. We choose stories in the public domain because it means the authors can't sue us. This does sometimes make our lives a little tricky. Actually, I've gotten a couple of requests for stories in the last week that I'm still looking to see if we can use them uh, Mm. for, for free. I have not... I have not found a confirmed yes or no yet. So, listeners, if you're one of the people who sent me those emails, and obviously you know who you are, fear not, I am still looking for you. And if it it turns up, then we'll read your story and I'll let you know it's coming. Uh, But that is not the case this week, um, because this week Emily has selected a story for me to read. We're turning tables baby i'm very excited to be back in this seat but as always before we get going she's going to read some uh fun facts to give a little context or history or something to the author or some other thing uh regarding the story yeah dear kenneth today we are talking about hg wells excellent yeah an old favorite of the podcast yeah 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 totally So here are some fun facts that I found. He has been called the Shakespeare of science fiction. And judging by how well he has been covered on this podcast, that absolutely does seem to be the case. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1921, 1932, 1935, and 1946. It's actually, I feel like that's kind of a backhanded compliment though, right? Because it's like, oh yeah, this thing, this thing got destroyed. Mm-hmm. I know who we should name it after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know who we should name this train wreck after. Right. He's like, damn, thanks guys. <laughs> um, so today he's probably best known for his novel, The War of the Worlds, which has been sure. remade into seven movies, uh, only one of which I have seen, but it's wonderful with Tom Cruise. Really scary stuff. Um, as well as various radio dramas, comic book adaptations, video games, a number of TV series, and a lot of sequels or parallel stories by other authors. Um, the most infamous of these adaptations was Orson Welles. Now, this will be important later. Orson Welles, W-E-L-L-E-S. 
H.G. Wells is W-E-L-L-S. No second E. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Okay. So the most infamous of these adaptations <laughs> was by Orson Welles. Yes. His Welles. 19, yeah. His 1938 radio presentation. Now, accounts of the actual reactions to this on the night are inconsistent, but it has been reported that this radio broadcast, which was formatted like a series of news reports about an alien invasion, was so believable that listeners actually ran in terror seeking protection from the impending alien invasion, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. I've, I've heard stuff about that, that like it started too. riots and ransacking and yeah. people just freaked the fuck out. Right. And I, I like, I want to see like, um, I want to see like the original, like, what is this source material? Like, what are these these um, reports? You know, I want to hear like firsthand from someone who was there, but couldn't yeah. find that. But but 1938, you're running into fewer yeah. and fewer people yeah. still alive who right. were there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this incident also led briefly to people confusing H.G. Wells and Orson Wells, thinking that it was Orson Wells who'd written the story because almost oh. the same last name. Yeah. So two yeah. years later, Wells and Wells sat down together for a radio interview on a San Antonio radio station. And during this interview, H.G. Wells said that he was surprised by the response to Orson Wells's radio reading, and he thanked him for increasing sales in some of his own lesser-known works. <laughs> so he was like, thanks, you're helping me sell a lot of books. <laughs> um, and freaking people out. Right, exactly. Um, H, I had to remind myself, I was like, wait, which Wells now? H.G. Wells, the one we're talking about today. <laughs> His work tends to be very liberal and it often deals with dystopian themes at like the dangers of weapons of mass destruction and the dangers of the military mindset and things like that. Um, in the preface to one of his books, he stated that he wants his epitaph to read, and I quote, I told you so, you damned fools. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real character. He's a real character. Well, um, that uh, it, it sounds like he did not expect us to heed his warning. Could you imagine if he were alive today? Could you imagine? Well, among other things, I think he'd be like 180 years old. Yeah, he would. He would. But also, like, he'd have thoughts about what's going on today yeah. in this country. Um, he died when he was 79 in 1946. And today, you will be reading a short story by H.G. Wells, first published in Strand Magazine in April 1899, called Mr. Brishner's Treasure. Ooh. Oh, treasure. Yeah. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's start this fire. Mr. Brishner's Treasure by H.G. Wells. You can't be too careful who you marry, said Mr. Brishner, and pulled thoughtfully with a fat-wristed hand at the lank mustache that hides his want of chin. <laughs> I'm getting Vernon Dursley vibes already. Strong Vernon Dursley. Oh, okay. do you think he's English? Do you think he's British? Oh, maybe. I was just thinking that there's always talking about Mr. Dursley's fatness. <laughs> Hang on. Let's make him English. You can't right. be too careful who you marry. Yeah, all right. I like it. Great. You can't be too careful who you marry, said Mr. Brishner, and pulled thoughtfully with a fat-wristed hand at the lank mustache that hides his want of chin. 
that's why I ventured. Yes, said Mr. Brishner with a solemn light in his bleary blue-gray eyes, moving his head expressively and breathing alcohol intimately at me. <laughs> Gross. Yuck. There's lots of... Oh, well, we're dropping oh, the H's, so yep, he's definitely, English. Definitely, <laughs> yep. There's lots as have had a try at me. Many as I could name in this town, but none have done it. None. I surveyed the flushed countenance, the equatorial expansion, the masterly carelessness of his attire, and heaved a sigh to think that by reason of the unworthiness of women, he must needs be the last of his race. What? <laughs> yeah, what? Oh. So he, he looked at all his his ruddy cheeks, his big fat waist, his slovenly clothes, and yep. he heaved aside to think that. So he's like, it's not, it, 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 you're not married, be, you're not unmarried because you're rejecting a lot of women. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> that if if it were if if it were down to him, he would be the last <laughs> man on earth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was a smart young chap when I was younger, said Mr. Brishner. I had my work cut out, but I was very careful, very, and I got through. <laughs> he leant over the taproom table and thought visibly on the subject of my trustworthiness. I was relieved at last by his confidence. I was engaged once he said at last, with a reminiscent eye on the shove-a-penny board. <laughs> shove-a-penny? Is that like, is that like barroom shuffleboard? I'm pretty sure, but um, let's find it. Yeah, is a pub game in the shuffleboard family, played predominantly in the United Kingdom. Two players right. or teams use coins or discs on a tabletop board. Yep. I was engaged once, he said at last, with a reminiscent eye on the shove-a-penny board. So near as that. He looked at me. So near as that. <laughs> Fact is, he looked about him, brought his face close to mine, lowered his voice, and fenced off an unsympathetic world with a grimy hand. If she ain't dead or married to someone else or anything... I'm engaged still. Now. He confirmed this statement with nods and facial contortions. Still, he said, ending the pantomime and broke into a reckless smile at my surprise. Me. <laughs> Run away, he explained further with coruscating eyebrows. Coruscating. Um, uh, severely critical or scathing. Another definition that is flashing and sparkling. But I, I don't know if that one makes so much sense for eyebrows. I kind of like flashing and sparkling. Sparkling? Though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Run away, he explained further with sparkling eyebrows. Yeah, that's true. He's got a little <laughs> twinkle. He's got a little twinkle in his eyebrow. <laughs> Come home. That ain't all. You'd hardly believe it, he said, but I found a treasure. Found a regular treasure. 
I fancied this was irony and did not perhaps greet it with proper surprise. Yes, he said, I found a treasure and come on, I tell you, I could surprise you with things that have happened to me. And for some time, he was content to repeat that he had found a treasure and left it. I made no vulgar clamor for a story, but I became attentive to Mr. Brishner's bodily needs, and presently I led him back to the deserted lady. She was a nice girl, he said, a little sadly, I thought, and respectable. He raised his eyebrows and tightened his mouth to express extreme respectability, (laughs) beyond the likes of us elderly men. It was a long way from here, Essex, in fact, near Colchester. It was when I was up in London, in the building trade. I was a smart young chap then, I can tell you. Slim. At best clothes, good as anybody. At silk. Uh, Ah, at. Silk at, mind you. Mr. Brishner's hand shot above his head towards the infinite to indicate it silk hat of the highest (laughs) umbrella nice umbrella with an on handle savings very careful i was he was pensive for a little while thinking as we must all come to think sooner or later of the vanished brightness of youth that is a heartbreaking line the vanished brightness of youth that broke my heart my god we were just talking about how i (laughs) I aged overnight Oof, yeah, it hits, it hits fast. (laughs) And all the brightness is gone, and the world is darkness from here on out. Oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) But he refrained, as one may do in tap rooms, from the obvious moral. (laughs) I got to know her through a chap that was engaged to her sister. She was stopping in London for a bit with an aunt that had, ah. Is this hard with the apostrophes? All of the apostrophes make it very confusing. Yeah, yeah. She was stopping in London for a bit with an aunt that had an ham and beef shop. This aunt was very particular. They was all very particular people, all her people was, and wouldn't let her sister go out with this feller except her other sister, my girl that is, went with him. So he brought me into it, sort of ease the crowding. We used to go walks in Battersea Park of a Sunday afternoon, me and my topper and him and his, and the girls, well, stylish. (laughs) There wasn't many in Battersea Park, had a laugh at us. She wasn't what you'd call pretty, but a nicer girl I never met. I liked her from the start, and, well, though I say it who shouldn't, she liked me. You know how it is, I dare say. I pretended I did. (laughs) And when this chap married her sister, him and me was great friends. What must he do but ask me down to Clochester, close by where she lived, Naturally, I was introduced to a people, and, well, very soon, her and me was engaged. He repeated, engaged. (laughs) 
She lived at home with her father and mother, quite the lady, in a very nice little house with a garden and remarkable, respectable people they was. Rich, you might call them almost. They owned their own house, got it out of the building society, and cheap because the chap who had it before was a burglar and in prison, and they had a bit of free old land and some cottages and money invested, all nice and tight. They was what you'd call snug and warm, I tell you. <laughs> I was on. Furniture, too. Why, they had a piano. Jane, or her name was Jane, used to play it Sundays, and very nice she played, too. There wasn't hardly an im tune in the book she couldn't play. <laughs> Many's the evening we've met and sung hymns there, me and her and the family. Aww. Her father. Yeah, it's cute, right? This <laughs> is so sweet. I also it's, like the piano. <laughs> Piano. <laughs> they had a piano. <laughs> so far, this is very wholesome. Yeah. Yep. Her father was quite a leading man in the chapel. You should have seen him Sundays interpreting the minister and giving out hymns. He had gold spectacles, I remember, and used to look over them at you while he sang hearty. He was always great at singing arty to the Lord. <laughs> and when he got out of tune, half the people went after him, always. Mm. He was that sort of man. A leader. And to walk behind him in his nice black clothes, his hat was a brimmer, made <laughs> one regular proud to be engaged to such a father-in-law. And when the summer came, I went down there and stopped a fortnight. Now, you should know... There was a sort of itch, said Mr. Brishner. We wanted to marry, me and Jane did, and get things settled, but he said I had to get proper position first. Mm. Consequently, there was a itch. Consequently, when I went <laughs> down there, I was anxious to show that I was a good, useful sort of chap like, show I could do pretty nearly everything like. See? I made a sympathetic noise. And down at the bottom of their garden was a bit of wild part like, so I says to him, Why don't you have a rockery here? I says, It'd look nice. Too much expense, he says. Not a penny, says I. I'm a dab at rockeries. Let me make you one. You see, what's I, what's a rockery? I don't know. I'm I'm imagining a rock garden. You want to look it up? Rock garden? Oh yeah. Yeah. That might be a dumb question of me. Yeah, yeah. A heaped arrangement of rough stones with soil between them, planted with rock plants, especially alpines. Okay, yeah, yeah. rock garden. You know where you grow rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, where, it's where baby rocks come from. No, it feels very counterintuitive, a rock garden, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, we had a rock garden in our backyard, and my, my parents set it up. They always called it a rock garden. And because I was young enough the first time they told me what it was, it never occurred to me that that was a weird thing yeah. until I had some friends come over 
and I said something about like I, I can't remember what what exactly we were talking about, but but it was something like, oh yeah, it's over by the rock garden. And my friends looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> like, what the fuck's a rock garden? You are you teasing us? What's going? You don't grow rocks. Right. Why would you have a rock garden? Right. What's a what's growing like a beanstalk? You got a, a rock stock? <laughs> Rockery. Too much. Ah, you see. I'd help my brother make a rockery in the beer garden behind his tap, so I knew how to do it right. Let me make you one, I says. It's holidays, but I'm that sort of chap. I ain't doing nothing, I says. I'll make you one to rights. And the long and short of it was, he said I might. And that's how I come on the treasure. Oh, I'd almost forgotten about the treasure. <laughs> oh my God. What treasure? I asked. Apparently, the narrator had also forgotten <laughs> about the treasure. <laughs> why? said Mr. Brishner. The treasure I'm telling you about. That's the reason why I never married. What? A treasure dug up? Yes. Buried wealth, treasure trove, come out of the ground. Ah, so the rock garden grows treasure. Right, right, right. That's what's gross. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Rock garden grows treasure. They can't like, call it a treasure garden because that'd be too obvious. You know, if you're, yeah. you know, you're hiding, you're burying your treasure. You don't yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to call so. it a, a rock garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the one that he put in behind his friend's beer garden, where I guess you grow beer. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? A treasure dug up? Yes. Buried wealth. A treasure trove. Come out of the ground. What I kept on saying, regular treasure. He looked at me with unusual disrespect. <laughs> yeah, treasure, you dumb shit. Like, what do you I think I'm you. talking about? Yeah, I told you a million times, okay? It's not hard to understand. <laughs> It's just a really long and winding story. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't more than a foot deep, not the top of it, he said. I'd hardly got thirsty-like before I come on the corner. Go on, I said. I didn't understand. Why? Directly I hit the box. I knew it was treasure. A sort of instinct told me. Something seemed to shout inside of me, now's your chance, lie low. It's lucky I knew the laws of treasure trove or I'd have been shouting there and then, I dare say, you know. Crown's... Crown's baggot, I said. All but one percent. Go on. It's a shame. What did you do? Oh, nope. Crown bags, bags it, not crowns bag it. What is the that crown mean, bags it? The the crown takes it. Oh, if he you if find you come upon a treasure, treasure, I dare say so. Oh, I so he says lucky I knew the laws and he's like yeah. the law is that if you scream and shout the crown's going to come take it from you. Oh, okay. Yeah, if if you if you find buried treasure, got it. But the they'll, crown give it. <laughs> they'll give you 1%. All but 1%. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Crown Crown bags it, I said. All but one percent. Go on. It's a shame. What did you do? Uncovered the top of the box. There wasn't anybody in the garden or out about. Jane was helping her mother do the house. I was excited, I tell you. I tried the lock, 
and then gave a whack at the hinges. Open it came. Silver coins. Full. Shining. It made me tremble to see them. And just then, I'm blessed if the dustman didn't come round the back of the house. Pretty nearly gave me heart disease to think what a fool I was to have that money showing. And directly after I heard the chap next door, he was all a day in two, I heard him watering his beans. If only he'd looked over the fence. What did you do? Kicked the lid on again and covered it up like a shot and went on digging about the yard away from it like mad. And my face, so to speak, was laughing on its own account till I had it hid. <laughs> I tell you, I was regular scared like at my luck. I just thought that it had to be kept closed and that was all. Treasure, I kept whispering to myself. Treasure and hundreds of pounds, hundreds, hundreds of pounds, whispering to myself like and digging like blazes. It seemed to me the box was regular sticking out and showing like your legs do under the sheet in the bed. <laughs> I went and put all the earth I'd got out of my hole for the rockery slap on top of it. I was in a sweat. And in the midst of it all, out toddles a father. He didn't say anything to me, just stood behind me and stared. But Jane told me afterwards when he went indoors, he says, That there jackanapers of yours, Jane, he always called me a jackanape somehow, knows how to put... An impertinent person or a tame monkey. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think either works. Monkey. <laughs> that there jackanapes of yours, Jane, he always called me a jackanape somehow, knows how to put his back into it after all. Seemed quite impressed by it, he did. <laughs> how long was the box? I asked suddenly. How long? said Mr. Brishner. Yes, the length. Oh, uh, about... So by so, Mr. Brishner indicated a moderate-sized trunk. Full, said I. Full up of silver coins. Off crowns, I believe. Why, I cried, that would mean hundreds of pounds. Thousands, said Mr. Brishner. <laughs> In a sort of sad calm, I calculated it out. But how did they get there? All I know is what I found. What I thought at the time was this. The chap who'd owned the house before a father had been a regular slap-up burglar, what you'd call a high-class criminal, used to drive his trap like Peace did. Mr. Brishner meditated on the difficulties of narration and embarked on a complicated <laughs> parenthesis. What? Oh, what? so what he's about to say is parenthetical? Yeah, probably. One of my favorite things about reading stories from this era, like anything from 1910 or earlier, yeah. is um, just how much convoluted sentence structure there is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. The subject is like 40 words away from the the adjective that it's describing yeah. and what what's funny is i part of why i love it is because it's a lot of how i talk like i will often set up 
a lot of context before I get to the point and people talking to me will forget what I'm talking about because it <laughs> took too long to get there. But when reading it, it's really hard to, to follow when it's someone else's unnecessarily parenthetical tangent. It's oh, really yeah. hard to follow. Yeah. When it's your own, it's easy. <laughs> right. Uh, where was I? Um, Mr. Brishner meditated on the difficulties of narration and embarked on a complicated parenthesis. I don't know if I told you it had been a burglar's house before it was my girl's father's, and I knew he'd robbed the mail train once. I did know that. It seemed to me... That's very likely, I said, but what did you do? <laughs> yeah, come on, dude, get, get to it. You had all this money. Why are you sitting here in a bar with me? Sweated, said Mr. <laughs> Brishner. Regular run of me. All that morning said Mr. Brishner. I was at it, pretending to make that rockery and wondering what I should do. I'd have told a father, perhaps, only I was doubtful of his honesty. I was afraid he might rob me of it, like, and give it up to the authorities, and besides, considering I was marrying into the family, I thought it would be nicer, like, if it came through me. Put me on a better footing, so to speak. Well, I had three days before I left of my holidays, so there wasn't no hurry. So I covered it up and went on digging and tried to puzzle out how I was to make sure of it. Only I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I thought, said Mr. Brishner, and I thought. Once I got regular doubtful whether I'd seen it or not, I went down to it and had it uncovered again, just as her ma came out to hang up a bit of washing she'd done. Jumps again! Afterwards, I was just thinking I'd have another go at it when Jane comes to tell me dinner's ready. You'll want <laughs> it, she said, seeing all the hole you've dug. <laughs> I was in a regular daze all dinner, wondering whether that chap next door wasn't over the fence and filling his pockets. But in the now, afternoon... Now, when he says it'd be better, he says, I was about to marry to the family. I thought it'd be nicer if it came through me. Does he mean, like, I should just take this gold and then when I marry into the family, like, it'll be their gold too? Because I'll be there. I think so, to yeah. To the daughter? Like, that's how yeah. he's justifying it? Like, well, if I took it, you know... I'm not really taking it from them because it'll become theirs when it's mine anyway. It's going to be part of the family, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but if I just tell them, hey, you've got treasure in your backyard, they then might, like, dad might follow the rules it. and give right. it over to the government. And you know how I feel about the government. We don't trust no stinking yeah, government. Yeah, and then nobody I'll, gets it. I don't trust the government to deal with my treasure. I'm going to keep it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Swanson, if he had a southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> but in the afternoon, I got easier in my mind. It seemed to me it must have been there so long, it was pretty sure to stop a bit longer. And I tried to get up a bit of discussion to draw out the old man and see what he thought of treasure trove. Mr. Brishner paused and affected amusement at the memory. <laughs> The old man was a scorcher, he said. A regular scorcher. What, said I, did he... It was like this, explained Mr. Brishner, laying a friendly hand on my arm and breathing into my face to calm me. 
So calming. I love people breathing. So calming. Especially when their breath is heavy with alcohol. Love it. In COVID. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Just to draw him out, I told the story of a chap I said I knew, pretending, you know, who'd found a sovereign in an overcoat he'd borrowed. I said he'd stuck to it, but I said I wasn't sure whether that was right or not. And then the old man began, Lord, he did let me have it. Mr. Brishner affected an insincere amusement. He was, well, what you might call a rare and snacks. Said that was the sort of friend he'd naturally expect me to have. Said he'd naturally expect that from the friend of an out-of-work loafer who took up with daughters who didn't belong to him. There, I couldn't tell you half, he said. He went on most outrageous. I stood up to him about it, just to draw him out. Wouldn't you stick to half Wouldn't you stick to a half Not if you found it in the street. What? what? What's going on? Yeah, what's half off is half so half half a sovereign i'm just trying to figure out the oh sovereign got it when you stick to a half solve not if you found it ah, in the street wouldn't you keep it yeah 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 wouldn't you stick to an half solve not if you found it in the street i says certainly not he says certainly <laughs> i wouldn't all right dad <laughs> not if you found it as a sort of treasure young man he says there's a 30. What the uh, fuck? Higher, higher. There's higher authority, authority than mine. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> Young man, he says, there's higher authority than mine. Render unto Caesar. What is I just it? Want, I just want you all to know that the word higher is spelled apostrophe I apostrophe ER. Yeah. Is how it's there's spelled. Been, there's been a lot of that. <laughs> It's Which has been a big reason for some of my difficulty muddling through what he's been saying. I'm, I'm, uh, man, I'm grateful I didn't pick this story for myself. <laughs> you know how much I would have butchered this. Uh, okay, we'll get through it together. We'll get there. We'll make it work. It'll happen. <laughs> Young man, he says, there's I authority than mine. Render unto Caesar. What is it? Yes. Well, ah, okay. I, um, the other thing I'm trying to figure out is because... Because sometimes apostrophes are replacing letters and Um, sometimes apostrophes are being used as quotation marks within the quotation marks. I can't tell when dad is done talking. Right. And it's all it's all the same, too. They're all just single apostrophes. There's no doubt to make it. Not not within the doubles. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So young man, he says, there's I authority than mine. Render unto Caesar. What is it? Yes, well, he fetched up that, a rare and itting you over the head with the Bible, was the old man. (laughs) And so he went on. He got to such snacks about me at last, I couldn't stand it. I promised Jane not to answer him back, but it got a bit too thick. I I give it him. (laughs) Oh, no. Oops. Mr. Brishner, by means of enigmatical face work, tried to make me think he had had the best of that argument, but I knew better. I went out in an uff at last. 
Oh, he but, didn't. Hit, he didn't hit him, but he he retorted back in the argument. But he says, "I give it him." Does that mean like I gave it? I gave him a piece of my mind, or like he punched him? Well, he did just say that. Um, I got a bit too thick. The dad was really good at hitting you over the. Oh, maybe it is a metaphor. With the hitting Bible. you over the head with the Bible, as in driving his point home with the Bible. Right. I think. And so he went on. Yeah, he got to such snacks about me. Snacks? Does that mean he's bothering him? <laughs> What's the snacks he keeps saying? Um, m- maybe it's chewing me out. Snacks, chewing, chewing mm. me out. I mean, if I Google the word snacks, what comes up is Cheez-Its and Doritos and Lay's chips and M&M's and nothing helpful to this conversation. Snacks, old English. God damn it. Now I'm hungry. The girl's a detective. Sorry. Nope. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing helpful. All right. So, yeah, he's getting out of his case. Anyway. We'll use context clues. (laughs) he He either snapped back or hit him back. Yeah. I went out in a off at last, but not before I was pretty sure I had to lift that treasure by myself. The only thing that kept me up was thinking how I'd take it out of him when I had the cash. There was a lengthy mm. pause. Now, you'd hardly believe it, but all them three days I never had a chance at the blessed treasure. Never got out, not even a off crown. There was always a something. Always. Astonishing thing it isn't thought of more, said Mr. Brishner. Finding treasures, no great shakes. It's getting it. (laughs) I don't suppose I slept a wink any of those nights thinking where I was to take it, what I was to do with it, how I was to explain it. It made me regular ill. Honestly, I've had this thought about like, do you ever hear the stories about like people who win the lottery and when they go to collect it, they have to put a bag over their head because they literally are like, I'll get murdered. Or like, if my family knows I have this, it'll change my relationship to all of them and no one will ever like me just for me. And I'll never know anymore if like my aunt wants to hang out just because she loves me or if she's trying to get money from me. I was like, that actually sounds kind of terrible. I've been seeing this meme going around that is... um, basically it's it's one of those those um the differences between the generations memes and uh it it gets to it's it's about um what are they what do the different generations like dream of what do they want what do they hope for and um it it gets to millennials and it's something like millennials spend their days dreaming about all of their friends that they'd help out if they suddenly won a million dollars Bro, that's the truth. That makes me emotional. Because it's so true. I want to. Because, like, I don't know what I would do personally if I suddenly won the lottery. Like, with all that money, there's no way I could spend it. But I know so many people who, a little bit here, a little bit there, could help immensely. Well, and the crazy thing is, so many people in our generation, like, uh, boomers get on us about not to make this a political podcast everyone but like boomers get on us about like not buying houses and like spending all our money on avocado toast or whatever i'm like i literally have never been able to to think or fathom or dream past paying off my student loans like just getting out of debt has always been the goal for me i don't know yeah. what i'll do when i get there like i don't know what i'm saving for i it's crazy it's cuckoo crazy anyway 
just some random thoughts about the lottery. It also makes me think of Hurley's um, storyline on Lost, where he wins the lottery, and then I forget why though, but like a bunch of shitty things happen to him, right? Because it's like karma. Like he won the lottery, but then like it's terrible well, things it happen to him. Yeah, stuff happens to him because he won the lottery playing 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Oh, yeah. Oh, who uh, who am I talking to? I'm talking to a Lost fanatic. That's right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, forgot played, that, I forgot that key key part of it, that he played yeah. these cursed numbers. <laughs> he, he played the cursed numbers and he won okay, the lottery. Okay, so it's, so it's not as relevant. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, these are just my ruminations on treasure. But he didn't get any of it. Not even an off-crown. Not even an off crown. Not even off a crown. Wow. He very quickly went from Vernon Dursley to like somebody on Jack Sparrow's crew. Yeah, I like it. I like it. He's he sort, sort of, of very, very He's... quickly became sort of piratey. He's a pirate. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Or Hugh Laurie doing an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> but a really bad one. Because it's really English. <laughs> because it's not very American. <laughs> I guess that would be sort of more here. Just keep the placement. Oh my god, yeah, that was good. Listen, casting directors, if you're listening, book him for voiceover. <laughs> book him. Book him. So it made him regular ill. Made, oh, is that where I was? Thank you, I, I can see I, your little cursor right there. I think so, because that's that's what made me think about. the lot. Make, winning the lottery would make me ill, too. Oh, yeah. Except that he's, it's not winning it that's made him ill. It's trying to figure out how he's going to get, get it. Get it, that's true. <laughs> he's yeah. got no problem with taking money. He just can't smuggle it out. <laughs> Wait, have he and the girl broken up? Or no, he just got in a fight with the dad. Just so got in like, a fight with I the dad. I can't get at that. I can't get at yeah, that. And, and so, okay. he's, so he's stuck at this house with treasure in the backyard with his fiance and her family. And his dad is pissed at him because they just had a huge fight. You can't figure out how to go get the treasure. You can't figure out how to get the treasure because there are always people around. Got it. And days I was that dull. It made Jane regular uffy. You ain't the same chap you was in London, she says several (laughs) times. I tried to lay it on her father and his snacks, but bless you, she knew better. What must she have but that I'd got another girl on my mind? Said I wasn't true. Well... Mm. We had a bit of a row, but I was that set on the treasure. I didn't seem to mind a bit anything she said. (laughs) Well, at last I got a sort of plan. I was always a bit good at planning, though carrying out isn't so much in my line. I thought it all out and settled on a plan. First, I was going to take all my pockets full of these ear off crowns, see? And afterwards, as I shall tell, well, I got to that state I couldn't think of getting at the treasure again in the daytime, so I waited until the night before I had to go, and then, when everything was still, up I gets and slips down to the back door, meaning to get my pockets full. What must I do in the scullery but fall over a pail? Up gets her father with a gun. He was a light sleeper, was her father, and very suspicious. And there was me. I had to explain I'd come down to the pump for a drink because my water bottle was bad. He didn't let me off a snack or two over that bit. 
You lay a bob. And you mean to say, I began, wait a bit, said Mr. Brishner. <laughs> I say I'd made my plan. That put the kibosh on one bit, but it didn't hurt the general scheme, not a bit. I went and I finished that rockery next day as though there wasn't a snack in the world, cemented over the stones I did, dabbed it green and everything. I put a dab of green just to show where the box was. Mm, they all came to look at it and say how nice it was. Even he was a bit softer like to see it. And all he said was, it's a pity you can't always work like that. Then you might get something definite to do, he says. Yes, I says, I couldn't help it. I put a lot in that rockery, I says, like that. See, <laughs> I put a lot in that rockery, meaning I see, said I, for Mr. <laughs> Brishner was apt to over-elaborate his jokes. <laughs> My dad loves to do that. <laughs> <laughs> jokes are funnier like, if you explain it. You'd be that. like, you get it? Because that's not how you say the word. <laughs> yeah. I actually, honestly, I've, inher I've inherited some of that from him. I like to explain a good joke now and then. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's but but it's it is it is science fact. A joke yeah. is funnier if you explain it. I'm just so funny. I wanted to appreciate it fully. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't laugh hard enough at that joke. Let me explain a couple of the nuances you might have missed. Yeah. yeah. I see," said I. For Mr. Brishner is apt to over elaborate his jokes. He didn't," said Mr. Brishner. Not then, anyhow. However. <laughs> After all that was over, off I set for London. Off I set for London. Pause. He wrote in, pause. The author wrote in, pause. Yeah. Only I wasn't going to know London, said <gasps> Mr. Brishner, with sudden animation and thrusting his face into mine. No fear, what do you think? I didn't go no further than Colchester, not a yard. I left the spade just where I could find it. I'd got everything planned and right. I hired a little trap in Colchester and pretended I wanted to go to Ipswich and stop the night and come back next day. And the chap I hired it from made me leave two sovereigns on it right away and off I set. I didn't go to no Ipswich, neither. Midnight, the Orson Trap was itched by the little road that ran by the cottage where he lived. Not sixty yards off it wasn't, and I was at it like a good un. <laughs> it was just the night for such games. Overcast, but a trifle too hot. And all round the sky there was summer lightning and presently a thunderstorm. Down it came, first big drops in a sort of fizzle, then ale. I kept on. I whacked at it. I didn't dream the old man would hear. I didn't even trouble to go quiet with the spade and the thunder and lightning and ale seemed to excite me like... I shouldn't wonder if I was singing. I got so hard at it, I clean forgot the oh. thunder in the horse and trap. 
Okay, I was just I was just thinking as you read the beginning of the sentence, I whacked at it that we haven't had anything <laughs> sexual in this in this story so far. And then he said, I got so hard at it that I clean forgot the thunder and the horse and the trap. <laughs> I mean, listen, money, money, money. That'll make you that'll make you excited. Hey, sometimes <laughs> you know, I don't judge what gets people hard. As long as everyone's safe and uh consenting. And consenting. I precious soon got the box showing and started to lift it. Heavy, I said. I couldn't no more lift it than fly. I was sick. I never thought of that. I got regular wild, I tell you. I cursed. I got sort of outrageous. I didn't think of dividing it like for the minute. And... Even then, I couldn't have took money about loose in a trap. I oisted one end sort of wild-like, and over the whole show went with, with a tremendous noise. Perfect smash of silver. And then right on the heels of that, flash, lightning like the day. <gasps> and there was the back door open, and the old man coming down the garden with his blooming old gun. He God wasn't does not want yards him. away. God does not want him to have this treasure. He doesn't. Nope. That is, nope. That's too, um, that lightning was too well-timed. Too well-timed. Well, uh, well, although maybe that's God on his side. Uh, let me give you some lightning so you can see the guy with the gun coming after you. True, true, true. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I was that upset. I didn't think what I was doing. I never stopped, not even to fill my pockets. I went over the fence like a shot and ran like one o'clock for the trap, cussing and swearing as I went. I was in a state. And will you believe me, when I got to the place where I left the horse and trap, they'd gone. Ugh. When I saw that I hadn't a cuss left for it, I just danced <laughs> on the grass. And when I danced enough, I started off to London. I was done. <laughs> Mr. Brishner was pensive for an interval. I was done, he repeated very bitterly. That's some good voice acting. Well, I said. <laughs> That's all, said Mr. Brishner. You didn't go back? No fear. I'd had enough of that blooming treasure anyhow for a bit. Besides... I didn't know what was done to chaps who tried to collar a treasure trove. I started off for London there and then. And you never went back? Never. But what about Jane? Did you write? Three times, fishing-like. And no answer. We'd parted in a bit of a uff on account of her being jealous so that I couldn't make out for certain what it meant. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know whether the old man knew it was me. I sort of kept an eye open on papers to see when he'd give up the treasure to the crown, as I hadn't a doubt he would, considering <laughs> how respectable he'd always been. And did he? Mr. Brishner pursed his mouth and moved his head slowly from side to side. Not him, he said. Hmm. Jane was a nice girl, he said. A thorough nice girl, mind you, if jealous, and there's no knowing I might have gone back to her after a bit. 
I thought if he didn't give up the treasure, I might have a sort of hold on him. Well, one day I looks as usual under Colchester, and there I saw his name. What for, do you think? I could not guess. Mr. Brishner's voice sank to a whisper, and once more he spoke behind his hand. His manner was suddenly suffused with positive joy. Issuing counterfeit coins, he said. (laughs) Counterfeit coins! (laughs) You don't mean to say, yes, it, bad. Quite a long case they made of it, but they got him through, he dodged tremendous. Traced his having pass, oh, nearly a dozen bad half-crowns. And you didn't, no fear. And it didn't do him much good to say it was a treasure trove. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That is a really fun twist. What a twist. Counterfeit coins. Counterfeit coins. So, so the dad knew they were there, and that's why he kept getting so mad that he was digging them up, right? Like when the dad was the one making the counterfeit. No, coins. he found the treasure. Because, oh, and he went to obviously, spend it. and he went to spend it. He decided oh. to keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not turn it in like he was supposed to. Right. And he went to spend it, and it came back counterfeit. And there, there was a yeah. big long trial, and he was stuck. What was he going to say? Either he's going to say, yes, they're my coins. I was handing out these counterfeit coins. Or he's going to say, no, I found this treasure in my backyard and didn't Mm -hmm. turn it into the crown, which is also a crime. Oh, my God. (laughs) I got his comeuppance. I love it. I love it. Cranky old man with his snacks. Well, yeah, what is with the snacks? (laughs) But it also cracks me up that, um, that... he kept uh and that this whole thing happens with the counterfeit coins and that the lesson that he takes away from all of it the thing that propels him into the story is you gotta be careful who you marry like it's so not even about the woman <laughs> like or the marriage like i've forgotten that's how it started <laughs> yeah like that's the jump off is he's like be really careful never get married like it was no bearing on that girl. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was delightful, and your accent was wonderful, and your oh, dealing you. with the apostrophes was very impressive. So, a hand a hand for our lovely host. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, it's going to sound even more impressive when I'm done editing out all of my mistakes. <gasps> Don't edit them all out. That's half the fun. That's half the fun. <laughs> no, I'm not going to edit all of them out. I'm going to edit out some of the lengthier pauses as I go. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. the fuck am I? Yeah, yeah. What? Jesus. What? Huh? It's not great podcasting. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not super interesting. So, listener, what moral did you take from that story? Yeah, I'm trying to think like what 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 are we supposed to take from this? Like don't I guess like don't be preachy because the dad is so like hits him over the head with these bible verses but then he's susceptible to the same greed that the guy is. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's about like Hip- hypocrisy. Yeah, hypocrisy will will uh will undo you, I guess. Yeah. You'll get yeah punished for being a dick right basically <laughs> although i mean this guy was kind of a dick too and he didn't get punished he just got away scot-free 
Yeah, but it's because he was an ineffective dick. True, true. He was just bumbling. And you know what he did? In hindsight, God was on his side because he was like, no, get caught, run away. Because if you try to spend these, they're going to throw you in the uh, the clink. That was an unusual one for H.G. Wells. There was nothing science fiction-y about it. I know. I was thinking that, too. Like, if, if you told me that this was written by the same guy who wrote War of the Worlds, I'd be like, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, he was named for those craters and stuff. Yeah. Or, I mean, the craters were named for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in that order. <laughs> Pretty wild. No, that was a, that was a fun one. Oh, I'm glad I chose that for you. Yeah, yeah, good story. <laughs> good story, good find. Always enjoy a good H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he, he, he's, he's got a particular way of telling a story that is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't know what the treasure would be, but I thought it would have something to do with space, maybe. But no. Yeah. Firmly rooted in the earth, literally. Firmly rooted. From oh. So funny. Do you get it though? It's funny because it's funny because the story is about a treasure that's in the earth, in the dirt, and so then I did the earth as opposed to the celestial bodies, and that's why it's so funny. Laugh. Yes, I laugh, I Ken. Get it. Laugh. I did. I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed the first time. But I'm sure our listeners are laughing harder now that you explained the joke to them. Correct, correct. Because I'm so funny. Yeah. Um, Oh, silly. All right. So, uh, listeners, remember, we are asking you to uh, send in your puzzle tricks and tips. But also... Uh, shoot us a message and let us know what you thought of that story, what you thought the moral was, and uh, you can send that to either 5050rsproduction at gmail.com or to any of our social media. Just look for Campfire Classics. Um, if you want to see me put together that mystery puzzle in time lapse and listen to me read the mystery story that's connected to it, uh, you can support us on Patreon. I've been pretty good recently about putting up some new bonus material every month. So there are a handful of things you can check out there. Um, and when you message us, please do, uh, send in the secret passcode this week. And this week's secret passcode is I got so hard at it. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to say before we sign off and say farewell? No, I don't. There's there's chaos happening in my house, so I'm going to, I'm going to go soon. (laughs) All right. Great. Uh, Well, in that case, uh, listeners, thank you for your messages in advance. Thank you for listening. And until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Woohoo!